Thank you. You may be seated. Let's take God's word together this evening and turn to one of the last books of the Bible, the third letter of John. Third John. And that's found right at the end of the Bible. Find the book of Revelation and turn to your left. You'll find the little book of Jude and then the third epistle of John. And tonight I want to talk to you about a Christmas wish. I have a Christmas wish for you this evening. And uh, this time of year, we hear oftentimes about we wish you a Merry Christmas. And uh, there's all sorts of different uh, films and books about Christmas wishes. But I want to share with you a special Christmas wish tonight from the third epistle of John. Have you found it? It won't take you very long before you find where I'm coming, where I'm going with this sermon tonight. Third epistle of John, beginning in verse number one. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his namesake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the, truth, unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. And may the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word tonight. A Christmas wish. Did you find it? Verse number two. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. There it is. Maybe one of the only times in all of God's word that we find uh, this little four-letter word, wish, 
which also could be rendered or translated pray. I wish, I pray for you. This is one thing that Paul, pardon me, that John wished, desired for this particular brother in Christ. And I want to speak this evening about this. It's interesting, John is writing and he says he had many things to write, but he ended up really talking about one thing. The difference between a prosperous soul and the difference between a soul of poverty. Prosperity or poverty? Would you look here for a moment? I wonder how prosperous is your soul? How prosperous are you? And some people may look at their gifts and presents after a Christmas day and try to measure up how prosperous their Christmas was and how successful a year that they've had. And maybe you yourself measure your success in life by the things that you have. Maybe you measure the prosperity of your life by your possessions. It's interesting that John measured the prosperity of Gaius's life not by what he had, but by who he was. And therefore, his wish was that what he had would then match who he was. I want you to think for just a moment. Look here for one moment. If your bank account reflected the condition of your soul, how wealthy would you be? If your bank account or your wallet was a reflection of your spiritual health and prosperity, how wealthy would you be? Some of us would be in deficit. We'd owe rather than having anything to show for. But it's interesting that John writes with this one thought in mind. He opens the letter with it, and really he closes the letter with it as well. And this is the subject of his writing, the prosperity of a soul. And he compares, we find really three main characters in this little letter. And this Christmas wish, Eliana, sit down. This Christmas wish tonight has everything to do with the prosperity of your soul. Now I want you to think with me for a moment about this. Because we get so caught up, especially in this Western world, with gifts and presents and mobile phones and cars and new shoes and wanting more, more, more. And we have a comparison of really two kinds of people. Spiritual paupers and spiritually prosperous. Look at it with me, please. I love the way that he writes this in, in the first verse. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. The word Gaius is a, is a, is a name that means Lord. Master. Well-beloved. Someone who is dearly beloved by John. John loves the word love. We find that in his, his uh, gospel record. The word love is mentioned over and over again. We find it again in 1 and 2 John. He is the, the apostle of love, you could say. And it, no surprise, it is no surprise that he addresses this man as well-beloved, whom I love in the truth, or who I really love. It's interesting to me, what makes someone lovable? You ever thought about that? What makes someone lovable? I have seven children, and sometimes, at different times, some of my children are more lovable than others. Now, I love them all, of course, but there are some moments when they, one of them or two of them 
might be a little bit more lovable than others. What makes someone lovable? Is it what they own or they possess? No. And this is a good lesson for children. Are you listening, children? What makes your friends good friends is never what they have or what you can get from them. On the contrary, what makes your friend a good friend is who they are, the character of their soul and of their life. Whom I love in the truth or whom I really love. And now you're going to find out why John loves this man and why he speaks about his soul's prosperity. And he says in verse 3, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Now here's the first mark of a soul that's prospering. Here's the first indication And my wish for you this Christmas is that your soul would prosper. But here's the first little tick, you could say, the first check, the first guide to figure out whether or not your soul is prospering. Is the truth in you? I greatly rejoice when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee. Now, this is not about you telling people that you've got the truth in you. This is about the testimony that others bear about your life. When people leave you, we've spent some time together today, and I'm sure you've spent some time with your family or friends. When you leave someone's presence, what is left in your mind? What's the, uh, what is the impact that they've had upon you? What reflection is left in your mind? Is it like this man that when the record came to John, That Gaius was a man who has the truth in him. Now, this is an interesting thought. How do you know if the truth is in someone? How do you know if someone has the truth living inside of them? I'll tell you how you know. Because whatever's in somebody comes out. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So whatever is in you will come out. And just a little time with Gaius, and you knew the truth was in him. It oozed out of his lips. It oozed out of his ears even. No, you couldn't have a conversation with this man except talking about Jesus Christ. We had a load of visitors this morning, which I'm always encouraged about. But it was nice to have some visitors even back at Stan Lake with us. Some family and friends. Some who come from different backgrounds. Who are, that are not Christian backgrounds. Very encouraging. Some who've come from, uh, perhaps different religious backgrounds, different denominational backgrounds, and even some from different cultic backgrounds. But it was a real joy to sit and talk with them and just wait for the opportunity for God to open up a door to speak of Christ. I want my conversation to be such that after I speak with anyone, and I hope it's true with you, that people might be able to testify that the truth is in us. Why else is this man well-beloved? Why else do we know that his soul is prospering? Continue on. It says this, the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. Here's the second check mark, the second measure of whether or not your soul is prospering. The truth is in you, and then consequently you walk in it. It's not enough for you to say or to know the truth, I know a lot of people who are good Bible scholars. You know those kind of folks? They have a wealth of knowledge about the Bible, but nothing in their life, no way that they live, the way they live their life does not show that they believe what they know. 
What good is it to have all the information and yet you don't live it? What good is it to know all this Bible from cover to cover and yet you never live your life to show it? You hold it to yourself. I grew up in a county in Ohio called Morrow County and they had a county fair, which was uh, something that was very common in the States. And every year the Morrow County Fair would roll around and there'd be horses and cattle and animals would be brought in and horse shows and, and all sorts of fun activities. They'd bring in the different fairground rides and all the different stalls and different things. And every year there was a man who walked around the fairgrounds. He looked very, very poor. His clothes were in tatters. He smelled badly. I didn't know at all anything about him. I knew his name was Chester simply because all of the children made fun of him and they'd sing, make up songs about them and throw things at him and and no one ever heard him speak. Every year there would be Chester walking about looking for change that had fallen out of people's pockets, especially around the fair rides. If they were turned upside down or spun around, he'd be picking up change and quarters and dimes and pennies and sometimes people would throw coins at him. Never heard him speak a word. A few years went by and word got around the county that Chester had passed. He had died. Come to find out that Chester was actually a very, very wealthy man. I don't know in the end how much he was worth, but he was an extremely wealthy man. He died with no family, no one to leave his money to, but he was an extremely wealthy man. Nobody knew it. He lived his life in such a way that everybody thought actually that he was he was so poor, he had to go looking for change. Do you know that's the way that many Christians live their lives? Many Christians live just like that. We are the most wealthy people in all the world. We have eternal life. We have the riches of Christ, but yet we walk around like Chester, like paupers in this life, begging for scraps and looking for some little glimpse of joy and happiness in life. And we look as though we're poor as poor can be spiritually. But not Gaius. He was a man who walked in truth. The truth was in him and he walked in it. He was a man of integrity. Would you look this way for a moment? Are you a person of integrity? A man or a woman of integrity? Or are you a man or woman of deception? Here's a man whose soul was prospering because the truth was in him and he walked in truth. Now look what else the next verse says. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. It must be, it must be some connection between John who wrote this little letter and Gaius. Perhaps John led Gaius to the Lord. That's what we're led to believe or else he would not refer to him as a child in the faith. And he said, nothing made him more happy than to know his children walked in truth. Now there are two applications here. I'm looking at some of my own children who belong to me biologically. And I would be able to say with John that there would be no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. That each one of these ones who bear my name and bear my resemblance would come to know Christ as their Savior. I don't really care if they become the wealthiest people in the world. I don't really care if Titus becomes a rocket scientist, but yet he doesn't know the Savior. I do not really care if Eliana becomes a the greatest fashion queen of the century, and yet she doesn't know Jesus Christ. I want more than anything for each of my children to walk in truth, to do, to know what is right and to do it. But also, 
if I have had any part in bringing you to faith in Jesus Christ. If you have had any part in bringing somebody else, some of you here today have led some dear friends to the Savior. You've been the instrument through which God has used to bring people to Christ. And nothing can bring you more joy or me more joy than to be able to see that that's a true child of God. And I've been able to be have a small part in that and to see that you continue in the faith. Nothing brings joy. Now, do you know why John said that? Look here for a moment. Let me tell you why John said that. Because John like us today, experienced what it was to have people make a profession of faith and never walk in it. John knew exactly what it was to have people who say that they were a Christian, but never walked in it. And so John said, nothing brings me more joy than to see you walking on in truth, continuing on in truth. Look what he says in the next verse. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren. A third mark of a prosperous soul is being faithful. I want you to look here for a moment. One of the rarest qualities to find in life today is faithfulness. Finding people who are faithful, dependable. People you can count on. People who you can trust. People who you know are going to do what they say they're going to do and be where they say they're going to be. And Paul said the reason he knew that Gaius' soul was prospering was because he was faithful in what he did to the brethren. He was obviously someone who loved the brethren and took care of the brethren. We have some faithful brothers and sisters in this congregation, don't we? Who are faithfully caring for the brethren. And not only that, but to strangers also. What a testimony. Somebody once said this, it's easy to love those who love you. But what about those you don't know? Today we welcomed, what, 15 refugees into our service this morning. We were able to bring them back to Stan Lake and feed them lunch as well. We know nothing about them. But we had the opportunity and the privilege to minister to strangers. In fact, we know so little about them because they speak so little English. And of course, naturally, in our first thought and our first things that run through our mind in situations like this is where we don't really know them. Are they going to crash our party? Are they going to ruin things? Who are these people? But we had someone faithful. Gaius was so faithful that not only did he care for the brethren, but he also cared for strangers. We're told to be careful because sometimes in entertaining strangers... We may be actually entertaining angels, the scriptures tell us. Which have borne witness, the brethren and perhaps strangers have borne witness of thy charity. Here's your fourth mark. Fourth mark of having a prosperous soul is that you are a man or woman marked by charity, by love. When you die, there's nothing greater than, than can be said about you than the fact that you are a man or a woman of love. When you die, there's far... Fewer things that could be better said of you than that you are a man or woman of charity. And that charity must go beyond your own biological family. Do you remember what, Je- what was said, what Jesus said? He was preaching and teaching one day in the house and, and someone came, his, his mother and his bro- brothers and sisters came and someone said, Jesus, your, your mother and your brethren and sisters are outside. Do you remember what Jesus said? 
Jesus said, who, who are, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? And he turned to the congregation that he's preaching to and he said, these are my mother and brethren and sisters. We sometimes find it easy to love those who belong to us and are closest to us. Of course, that's natural. Jesus said, said, even, even the heathen do such a thing. Even the heathen can love those who love you. But here is a man whose soul was prospering because he had enough charity, not just for himself and the people that he loved, but he had enough charity for strangers as well. And it was born wherever these people went. Would you just stop for a moment and think about this? Wherever these people went that Gaius ministered to, they bore on their lips and their tongue the testimony that there's a man who loved us because he loved Jesus Christ. Wherever those people went, I'll tell you one thing, that was a man who loves Christ because he showed us such love. Do you have such a testimony? He gives instructions about bringing forward people on their journey after a godly sort and how that would be a good thing to do to help people get from point A to point B because that for his namesake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such. We ought to be the same way that we might be fellow helpers of the truth. It's interesting that now John begins to turn the, turn the corner here. In the middle of this, he gives a personal application that if we were to do such things, we too would become fellow helpers of the truth. But then he says this. Now he makes an, a parallel. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Now we have an example of somebody whose soul is withering. Now tonight, you're in one of two places. Your soul is either prospering or it is withering. And now we're looking, we've just come now to the point, the example of a man whose soul is withering. And by the way, make no mistake about it. Here, this man was a leader in the church. Diotrephes was a leader in the church. He had some sort of influence over the people of the church. And the Bible says this, this is how we know that his soul was withering because he loved the preeminence. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be heard. He thought that he was number one. And anybody that threatened that was not coming near him. The first sign that your soul is withering is that you think it's all about you. The first sign that you have a soul that is withering is that you think life is about you. Is that you think it's all about what you want and what you prefer and what you wish and what you desire. That's the first sign that your soul is shriveling up, even today. Next sign. He loveth to have the preeminence among them and receiveth us not. Second sign that your soul is withering is that you are someone who rejects the brethren rather than receives the brethren. That's what he did. First sign is that he thought it was all about him. Secondly, he rejected the brethren. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth. Here's the next sign. Prating against us. Now, I want you to stop for a moment. This little phrase means this. You are making idle accusations. That's what prating against us means. Making accusations which make no sense at all. They have no foundation, no substance. They're empty. You're just saying things because you're upset. 
And you're just saying things to try to make yourself look good and make somebody else look bad. You ever been guilty of that? That's the third sign that your soul is shriveling up. That you're not prospering, but you're withering. If your conversation is constantly tearing other people down, prating against us with malicious words, hateful, unkind words. And here we go. Here's the next sign. And not content therewith, neither doth, doth he himself receive the brethren, and he forbiddeth them that would. Here's your next sign is that you drag other people in to your withering condition. Here's your next sign. You're not happy tearing people down. You're not happy speaking ill of others, making false accusations about others, but you want to drag other people in. You want to bring other people in to it yourself. In fact, he went so far as to cast them out of the church. That's the way this fellow was. That's how we know he had some sort of power and authority. Now, that's the end of our comparison. But John wraps the chapter up by saying this, Beloved, speaking not just to Gaius, but to us as well. Follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. Now, tonight in our little examination of your soul, you might find that your soul is actually withering rather than prospering. The good news is that John, are you listening? The good news is that John gives us instruction how to move from the withering soul to the prospering soul. The good news is you might have entered into this tent tonight with a soul, with a soul that is shriveling up tighter and tighter with each new day, but tonight you might live with a changed direction and instead of a withering soul, you can begin to have a prospering soul even tonight. And here's the pathway to prosperity in your soul. Here it is. Beloved, follow not that which is evil. Our living example would be Diotrephes, but rather that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. And he gives us this last name, Demetrius, hath good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee, greet thee, greet the friends by name. Here it is. My Christmas wish for you today is not just that your soul would prosper. It is, first and foremost, that your soul would prosper. And secondly, as John writes to Gaius, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now that's a, that's a very difficult thing, let's be honest. That's a very dangerous thing to pray. It's a very dangerous thing for me to pray tonight. Lord, let these people prosper as their soul is prospering. That's dangerous. Because if your soul isn't prospering, and I'm praying that your health would match your soul, and your bank account would match your soul, that's a dangerous thing to pray. And so I'll pray, first of all, that God would make us prosperous in our soul. And then that he would prosper us in all other things according to the prosperity of our soul. I've lived in shriveled up moments before, haven't you? 
I've lived in moments of self-pity. I've lived in moments of anger and bitterness and frustration. But I don't want to live like that any longer. I want to live with prosperity in my soul, spiritual prosperity. Walking in truth, truth in me, advancing, walking in love, receiving brethren, loving, faithfully loving brethren and strangers. May the Lord prosper our souls and may this be not just a Christmas wish, but a wish for the new year as well. We would enter into 2023 with this in mind, a prosperity in our souls that would make all the difference in the world that we're living. Let's pray together, then we'll sing our final hymn. Father, we acknowledge that without thee we can do nothing. That without Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and without thy spirit, the breath of life, then we are bound, bound and destined to an eternity of a withered soul. But we ask, Lord, instead tonight, we might heed the words of John and follow that which is good rather than that which is evil. May the truth be in us. May we walk in the truth. May we be faithful in the way that we love the brethren and strangers. May we be overflowing with charity to all that we meet. May we live sacrificial lives, dead to self, not thinking of ourselves and our wishes and wants, but instead of thy glory and of thy honor. Help us tonight, we pray. We pray for those of us whose souls may be a little bit withered tonight. By thy power, touch us, Lord, and turn us. Turn us again, we pray. Make thy face to shine upon us. And may the year to come be the most spiritually prosperous year we've ever known. Change us and use us for thy glory. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.